Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Big week this week, U.S. Open. Um, always the toughest sport, I think, for the Thursday radio show because so much happened yesterday that we don't yet know about because we're in the past talking about the future while we're in the past. A little bit, a little bit of a confusing situation here, but we are, we do have one day of U.S. Open play under our belts. Don't know what happened day two, but saw a lot on the course day one. It was interesting. It was a struggle for a lot of people. But, you know, before we get to the US Open coverage, we had two he had two champions crowned in between the day that the Sporting Edge was recorded and um the, the day t- the aired. airing of our show. So And we called that by the we, way. We we, we did call it we, we said it was very possible that we could have two champions after that Thursday night. And what do you know? The Washington Capitals and the Golden State Warriors take home their respective titles. Um I didn't know, Roz, I didn't know much about Alexander Ovechkin before the Cavs <laughs> won the title. Just besides that he was, you know, one of the best players in the league um, and arguably one of the better player, hockey players of all time. I just don't follow hockey. No, nothing to do with it. But, I mean, I can't help but not like the guy a little bit because he's just all over town getting hammered with everybody. Um, and the cup is always there. Like, I think that's one of the coolest things. Like, hockey... I've never been a big fan of sport. I just never really play. I don't really like it. I don't really like watching it. But there's just something a little different, I feel, like about the camaraderie and just the way that hockey players go about doing things that I really like for some reason. Um, you know, it seems like they're much – like they're more like a bunch of normal dudes that like doing dude things. Um, it's very much a dude sport. And I, I, the cup thing is amazing where they get to bring it around, fill it with beer, drink out of it. Right. I mean, PFT I, Commodore from Barstool even got a swig up out of the cup. I mean, it's pretty wild what you get to do with it. Yeah, and I heard a great – I forgot who said this. Um, but it was basically like the cup – one of the reasons the cup is great is because you can drink out of it. It was like yeah. more sports need that. Like you, MLB I think has a really cool trophy, but you, you can't do much with it. And the NFL is just another – cool but the nfl and the nba are both balls on top of a like placard like it's not a whole lot but like you said about ovi 
Ovi the man we are learning a lot about. This is a man who is showing you what it's like not to win for so, so long. And then just the pure joy, the pure bliss of it. But here's a here's a fun question we can have. I'm, I don't want to take away from Ovi. I'm not saying he's a bad guy or anything that is about to come out of my mouth. But say LeBron James were to have had this type of celebration after he won his first title in Miami, would the reaction be more showboating and bragging than pure bliss and fun? Or would it be similar to the way people are receiving Ovi? I mean, it's ridiculously fun being a drunk and getting to watch another drunk celebrate with a Stanley Cup. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's been a great time. His videos are beyond hysterical. But would LeBron James have the same press or different press? Uh, very out of left field question. Um, I, I just thought of it. Uh, I, I think different press. I just don't. Uh, they're. Just, I think they're just two diff- completely different types of people um and for me i mean lebron james i think is a lot more polarizing the fact that i think there's a lot more people that love and hate him at the same time but i, I don't know I, I just don't really follow hockey i don't know what people think of ovechkin but for my there's a lot of love i'm so, for my very thirty thousand foot view bird's eye perspective just eh, you know seems like a fun guy like you know he, he's been he was like the sergio almost of the of the nhl um like i said my, my very my very minuscule opinion. Um, I mean, an unbelievable player. I mean, I hear about him. I knew who he was. I hear about him all the time. One of the best players in the league. Could never get it done in the playoffs. Finally does. I mean, I, and I think it's awesome. Um, fun seeing this. Fun seeing a guy like that who's a prof- one of the best professional athletes in the world doing a bunch of things that a lot of normal people like to do, which is have fun, get drunk, do a lot of fun things, and he a lot of celebrating. A lot like, of celebrating. You know, right. This is a big life moment for him. So, like, I so totally appreciate. I, I, this I th- yeah, I, I think you appreciate ath- pro athletes a lot more when you see him doing things that you know normal people do, um, and that's getting drunk, having a great time after a big success. His success Here's, happens to be a little bit probably better than a lot of other people in the world winning a Stanley Cup. It's pretty awesome. But and I think there's an interesting take on this. I think. Where the NHL is proving to be more valuable in terms of team play and not so many polarizing figures such as like LeBron James, yet somebody like Alexander Ovechkin who just won a title with the Capitals, a team he's been on for 15 years, he's not jumping and hopping and skipping over teams where there are a bunch of all-stars. Hockey doesn't work that way. Hockey is more about building a team creating it from draft picks. Yes, there is free agency, but not to the level of the NBA. And I think that's what makes this more valuable in terms of appreciating Ovechkin's celebration as well as the Capitals organization as a whole winning this title. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned before, I don't know much about the sport of hockey, but I mean, I think it's much easier to control a game of basketball. Considering there, there, there's less players. I mean, and there, I think the talent pool is a little more concentrated at the top. Um, so, you know, LeBron James taking a team to the final, it's very possible, but I think hockey, um, I think hockey's a little bit different. I mean, I think you can have some great players, but you know, with the different lines, there's a lot more moving parts. Um, and you have guys who aren't really playing the whole game. It's just not how it works. Um, very cool though. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Warriors Cavs though. Um, sweep. It was sweet. I told you, take I out, told you it would be a sweep. I, I don't think I ever disagree with you on that. Um, I think I, but I initially didn't start that way. I thought they would maybe take a game or two, but I think the way they lost game one ended that series. And we said that on the last show. They literally fit the whole series in between one show, or in one show, or one week of a show. They did. Um, and I don't like Stephen A. Smith at all. 
Um, I know, I know he's made, he's made, he's made it the top, but I don't like him, but he had a, he had a very funny take. I thought before the series started, I might've brought it up last week. I'm not sure. Um, but now that it came to fruition, uh, you know, LeBron James, it's like, if they get swept, it's like, what does it matter? LeBron, like how good, how he dragged the team to the finals. They could have got swept without him, you know? Didn't win yeah, any game. They, and you did bring this up last week. I did, week, okay. I, told you they I, I just you, that, They wouldn't have been in the playoffs. I know, but it, I think it's just funny. It's like, you know what? Made it to another championship, but what did he do? But I, you know? it's, it's hard when you don't have a – I mean, this was a pathetically bad – and game four was so sad to watch. It was not worth it. I mean, for many people I've heard, it was – they turned it on, turned it off. The Cavs kind of rolled over. They took the spanking. And yeah, that was pretty did, disappointing to me. They really rolled over. That I mean, was as demoralizing as I've ever seen, yeah, or demoralized a team I've ever seen. I watched about a quarter and a half of that game, and it was just not only for the Cavs, but it was just sad for sports in general. That you know, I know you're down three zero to the best one of the, probably one of the best teams of all time, a team that you almost have no shot. But the way they ended that series and the season. It, it was disappointing. I mean, to not to not fight until the last minute. I mean, just the, you know the this culmination of the season that you can't you know keep it up for four quarters. And I'm not I'm not saying I know what it's like to be on that stage, but it, it was you know it was a little demoralizing for me just as a sports fan to see that um, to see LeBron and the Cavs go out that way. Just kind of not really giving a shit in my opinion um they didn't but we'll talk more about that after the break this is the sporting edge everybody if you miss a show you know where to find us libertytalk.fm amf 24 7 what's up what's up everybody we are back and we're finishing up our championship talk we're ending what to me is the year cycle of sports. I know that Major League Baseball still technically has another championship to be had in this year, but I considered last year's World Series part of this World Series Super Bowl NBA Stanley Cup championship series. Anyways, to your point, you talk, we talked about how demoralized the Cavs looked, how upset you were in the lack there of a performance, but that's because I believe the NBA is broken. And somebody else said that today or Thursday for people listening to the show that you don't necessarily agree with, but Miles Garrett – Said it best. Kevin Durant joined a team that the year previous won 73 games with three all-stars on it. This isn't like LeBron who decided to go to the Heat where there were a couple of outliers. Yes, that he had Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade he was joining up with, but that wasn't a team that had just come off of a championship run or even a finals run. That's a team that hadn't been in the finals since 2006. I think the NBA is broken as long as this four-person, four-all-star person team is stacked up. Not to mention, apparently, they're in the works of trying to figure out a way to get Anthony Davis to come there. So I do think the NBA is broken, and that was that is why you didn't enjoy Game 4. And that is why you probably didn't enjoy the series, because there wasn't much to it. The Warriors are by far and away the best team of all time. I don't know if I'd go there, but I, I agree with your point about the league being kind of broken. I don't think it's a very good league to begin with. Um, you've got a regular season that legitimately doesn't mean anything i mean if you're a team that's worth you know half its weight you're going to make the playoffs half the league makes the playoffs so i think that i mean that makes a league i think worse as it is and having a team like the warriors who i you know i think 
Probably shouldn't have made it there this year. I, I really thought the Rockets should have won that series. But regardless, having a team like that, I think it just it makes the league worse than it already is. But, you know, Miles Garrett, get out of here. <laughs> get out of yeah. here with your, you but know where what? where is he wrong? My question, like if I'm wrong about Jason Garrett, I think you're going to be wrong saying that Miles I, Garrett is no, wrong. No, no, I'm not saying Miles Garrett is wrong. I just, first of all, I don't like the tone. I don't like the tone from a guy who played 11 games in his first year on a team that went 0-16. I don't like it. I don't want to hear about it. I didn't like Miles Garrett ever since his first inter- interview he gave pre-draft on ESPN. Um, just didn't like it. The guy guy gave me a, va- a bad vibe. It was a cocky vibe, um, but it was a bad cocky, and I didn't like it. So that kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. And now that I'm seeing this, um, let, let's let's get his, his exact comments out here. Um, you hopped on a 73-9 and nine team, and took he took the easy way out in my mind. Uh, it's different when LeBron James left Cleveland. He went to Miami to join Wade and Bosh. But it wasn't something that was already guaranteed, something you already knew was going to have immediate success. James had to gel and work things into place. Okay. That's a point. That's a, it's a point. I, I, excellent point in my opinion. Uh, no. I'm just, I'm just going to say that it's a point that he made and – I don't think it's an excellent point at all. Um, you know, ha- having to gel with you know two of the top ten players in the NBA while you're the best player. Okay, all right, Miles Garrett. That's a that, that's your your one hot take. Fine, but KD maybe he did take the easy way out by going there, but he didn't make it easy in my opinion. Or he didn't do the you know, he didn't just take a back seat. He won two finals MVPs in a row and was clearly, in my opinion, the best player on that team. And I'm not gonna keep I, know, hopping on the best player in the league because I know Rube gets tired of um you know me saying that every week. But I don't think he should have been MVP this year. I really don't. It, I think Steph Curry had a better overall series. He had that poor game three where Kevin Durant had to pick up the slack and win. But if you look at Steph Curry, Steph Curry was averaging more points, and that's not the only part that's important. But Steph Curry's assist numbers are also up as well. I think Curry, in certain points of this series, it was his three-point shooting that got them either over the hump and blew them out or brought them back into a game that looked like Cleveland was trying to put up a fighting effort. Okay, Kevin Durant is, but it'll never be Kevin Durant's team, by the way. I don't care about this NBA Finals MVPs he's won. It is never Kevin Durant's team. They will not look at it that way. More loved is Curry and Thompson, the people that have been there longer. Kevin Durant was just a piece to help guide them along. I mean, I mean that's fair. I, I don't know. I wouldn't call it Steph Curry's team either. I mean, may, maybe it's just nobody's team. I'll I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to say that this is clearly Steph Curry's team because I think Kevin Durant was the MVP of this team this year and in the playoffs. And I think there was a reason. I mean, fine. You may maybe you thought Steph Curry had a better Finals. The writers didn't. But you know, when Miles Garrett's saying that that Kevin Durant rode their coattails to a championship, I just I completely disagree. I think he was the main reason that they won. And I know that he joined an unbelievable okay. team, but I can't. Without Kevin Dur- I can't count Kevin that Durant, against. Do they win the finals? Do, do does Golden State win against the Cavs in the finals? Don't worry about anything else that happened prior in that postseason. Mm-hmm. It is Cavs Warriors finals. No Kevin Durant who wins that finals. With this team, the two teams that were there this the two, year, I would still think the Warriors, but honestly, I don't know. I think Kevin I, this Kevin is a Durant Cavs team. It, it is a that. really bad Cavs team. But Kevin Durant, I think, is such a transcendent talent because you just can't guard him. 
Kevin Durant didn't force J.R. Smith to dribble that ball out and force George Hill to miss that free throw and or keep Tyron Lue from calling that timeout. Other than that, What's your like, point? my point being is Kevin Durant, like that would have been the only win the Cavs could have had that series. And Kevin Durant had no influence on, in my opinion, that game, that was Steph Curry's game, and also had no influence on how the Cavs would have been able to beat this Warriors team. I'm trying to circle it back into... No, like, you're, cap- you're just wrong, because you're just basically saying he had no influence on the series. Meanwhile, he's won the MVP. So. I'm, I'm saying game one, the only game the Cavs looked like they could have won. I think but that's maybe, maybe if he doesn't play in games two, three, and four, maybe they win, because he's not on the court. You're, you're just completely like taking him out of the game when he plays in every game. Team, I don't think it needs him. Well, I don't know. I mean, they, they, they won did one without him beforehand and he couldn't win. But on they also, own. they also lost to LeBron without him. A three, one, the technical foul call. Okay, but Draymond out. I mean, there, there's, okay, but they, they lost. They're up three to one. They lost. I know that Draymond Green got suspended, but they lost. I mean, so you, you, you can't say that it's they would have better, clearly won without Durant. Than, still more final appearances than KD had prior to being on the Warriors. I, I don't know. I just It's Curry's team to me, and I think he did take the easy way out. But there's somebody else you want to gripe about, and so let's get to that. He wore a nice little cast on his hand right after Game 4. We finally learn after four games that he had a hand contusion, maybe a, even a broken hand. I think it was broken. LeBron, I mean, they, that, he contusion. So I, be as it may, he said it felt like he was playing with a broken hand for three games. Yeah, and you know, I don't contusion. Like I can, I'll admit that it was probably a broken hand. Um, but that that's not where my gripe lies with LeBron. The fact that first of all, to punch punch the blackboard. Like I'm not I'm not going to say I've never been there, but you know, the fact that nothing was said. Games two, three, and four, um, and doesn't wear the brace, and then comes out in the press conference after getting swept, puts on the brace, and complains about the broken hand. It was a uh, it was a little bush league for me, um, for a guy who is supposed to be known and is always telling us how he's taking the high road. I thought it was a I thought it was a bush league move by him. <laughs> um, you know what, Lamont, your team just got swept. Yeah, basically average a triple double. Play didn't seem hampered at all by the hand. His shooting, if you notice his shoot, he definitely he shot fewer threes, made fewer threes. His shooting percentages went down from game one all the way through game four. Overall statistic he, though, like and his, and the best quote was from Steven Jackson saying the guy's throwing the ball off the backboard and shit and alley ooping to himself. Um, you're going to tell me about his broken hand. I agree with Steven Jackson. Um, and you know, I, I'm so sure you think I'm, there's no broken hand if they win this series. You think there's no broken hand if they, I win. mean, do you, don't, do you think he pulls up in a cast, say they win game seven and he's an NBA champion? You think he throws that cast on? Eh, he, he might, but I don't know. But I thought this was just a, just a pity, a pity move for him. You know, it was a, a pity cast. I mean, he could could have could have waited after the 15 minutes the press conference was over, put on the cast, and gone home. But you know, he'd, he'd tell everybody that he broke his hand on his own doing um, after they got swept. And you know, meanwhile, he, he's still averaging a triple double, um, throwing alley oops off the backboard, and nobody had any idea. But you know, when they get swept, they lose you know four games to zero. 
now now my hand's broken um and i want to tell everybody about it it was a uh, you know not a very lebron-esque type thing to do um according to how he holds himself and his moral standard but well regardless i have a semi i have a semi stay woke dash we'll semi. stay woke after the segment because this is cool. the sporting ed liberty talk that up on amf and 247.com and we'll be back after the break everybody What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Shalady, the cow guy, is seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got The Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up? What's up, everybody? I'm trying to keep Xander semi-woke here. I wanted to finish off this quick point because we've got other sports to talk about other than these champion fiascos. LeBron James, just yes or no question real quick. Is he a good businessman? Yeah, absolutely. Injuries over extended periods of time and different leagues and all this stuff factor into free agency. Am I wrong or am I right? You're right. Awesome. So I would say, as much as you want to say he was looking for pity here, I think this was, he was going out there taking a risk. A guy who's about to be a free agent, about to be on the market, to show that he's injured, that could influence how, I know it's not the most serious of injuries in the world. It is a hand injury in a sport where you mostly use your hand. He could lose dollars for this. So this was, a, for me, a calculated risk for him either showing that, hey, I'm taking the necessary steps now to heal myself so I can be a better free agent and less more of the pitying. That's just in my opinion. All right. Um, that was Roz's take of the day. We're going to move on. <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know what that was all about, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw, throw the yellow flag on that one. I'm going to call a party five. What do you mean? He's, he's being healthy. He's putting, wrapping it up in a ca- in a cast and making sure that it heals properly so he's ready in time for the free agency. Hmm. All right. Um, interesting point, but let's move you're on. Gonna, yellow flag. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to throw a yellow flag. I'm going to pull up to the booth, and you're you're going back 15, 15 yards. Um, but Golf, baby. Yeah. Let's, it's here. U.S. Open, probably the best tournament of the year, I think. Um and day one was a struggle for some big names. Had some had a plus eight, had a plus nine, had a plus ten from Rory, um, and we had a, a plus twenty two. We had a ninety two out there. Um, so if you said over in our in our prop bets pool for eighty two and a half being the highest score of the tournament, you won. I had the over. Uh, I don't know you had Roz, but <laughs> there you go. Not, way to start off on your prop bets. Yeah, we're back in that pool again. My pool in some danger, except for if we don't have collapsing Charlie Hoffman, we're off to a good start. Well, we all know how that's going to end up. <laughs> <laughs> we 
But let's let's talk about the bottom real quickly. As you mentioned some of the names, Rory McIlroy at plus 10. I mean, that's absolutely atrocious. And from a guy who looked like he had a decently strong ma- majors but definitely fell off towards the end, a guy who I'm waiting for him to win another major. It's been a minute. He shows flashes here and there. This was absolutely pitiful on his part. Jason Day, another guy who hasn't been up towards the top of the leaderboard in a while. He was at plus nine, shot a 79 on the day. Yep, and then, of course, him. my my workhorse, Jordan Spieth, my number one pick for this year's U.S. Open pool at plus eight. And that's my fault. Taking Spieth was absolutely my fault. And it doesn't start here. It comes from his horrible year he's been having. Yes, he had a late push at the Masters. But his putting, he's ranked 149th on the tour in putting on the green he does have a great rate at getting it to the green um but it was a bad pick by me and it apparently it doesn't look like it's gonna get any better obviously things can change in the next two days but plus eight speed looked pretty horrendous yeah um i mentioned i had jason day i took him in that tier one i read one quick article the night before on cbs <laughs> his name popped up something somebody said a couple of good things about him so i took him because i just like being uh being the guy who takes guys who not a lot of other people take and that was just some beautiful english um yeah also my my tier five guy watch out for how tong lee comes out and she was (laughs) plus nine on day one as well you're back with how tong lee my man that's impressive where is he sitting he's at plus nine see and this is this is really the saddest part of the sporting edge for me is because we're we're just missing we're missing a huge day in the midst of this tournament because there's there's a bunch of these guys who are not going to make the cut, but as I'm sitting here after day one, I'm still hoping we have a little bit of a chance. Um, I'm not you sure hope where for the a big pushback. Yeah, um, so I'm not not sure where the cut's going to end up. I believe it is usually around six or seven, um, and this is what we really should have had Rube on the it's show the, today. It's the top. It's the top sixty or ten or ten, ten below behind. par. Right, um, but I, I think the U.S. Open is notoriously known for some higher scores or higher worse scores let's, yeah, let's put it last that way. year was an anomaly as jason spieth said in an interview i mean jason with spieth. six no, jason spieth jordan spieth said in an interview where he finished not him but somebody finished 16 under at the u.s open i mean right now we have russell henley dustin johnson who if you're a first tier person you got pretty lucky a guy who has been struggling a little bit too in majors and scott piercy all at oh and Ian my least favorite guy Ian Poulter sitting all at one under. Yep, and uh, Russell Henley also hit a great, great first round. Um, you know, he hit the ball as about as well as anybody on the field. Um, in the field, double bogey on ten, bogey on eighteen. Um, it looked like he was going to have a low round of day one, but you know, top five in the field and fairways hit and greens and regulation hold out. In the sand from number 12 on the first day he looked really good um like you mentioned piercy jason duffner also had a great start um great start to the day actually birdies on two five and six hit the ball pretty well um thought he should have finished a little better but didn't happen and then that that was it after day one for guys who were at least even um started at plus one with rose Math, uh, Matthew Pavin, I don't even want to say his name, Howell, <laughs> uh, Charlie Hoffman, Sam Burns, and Henrik Stenson. Um, I'd like I'd like to say, though, that I have three guys in the top 20 right now. Just want to put that out there. I have Ricky Fowler plus three because I told you I'm forever riding the Ricky Fowler major train. 
That doesn't give me a lot of credit when he finally wins, but I will pick Ricky Fowler till the day he wins that major. Right. I also have Zach Johnson, who I wanted to be my sneaky surprise pick. Not a lot of people on the Zach Johnson train, but I, I took him. He's also at plus three. And then, like we said, Charlie Hoffman looking pretty good. Only one over par. I'm going to tell you, maybe this is the one he hangs on. <laughs> if I had to make a guess. I didn't even have to look at your picks to know that you were going to take Hoffman and Zach Johnson. Just such two, like, Roz picks. It's like, yeah, hey, they're always pretty good. Like, they're going to be there, Zach Johnson, tier five. Why not? I, I like I Zach Johnson in tier five. That was a sexy tier five pick. Dude, if you didn't take Hao Tong Lee in tier five, then get get out of here. You were I mean, six strokes behind Zach Johnson, so I just wanted to put that out there. right now. But and Mark said, Leishman this, also. I mean, this is Saturday. Maybe you know. Maybe Hao Tong Lee went six under on Friday, and Zach Johnson, yeah. you know, really shot a ninety-two. Like that's going to be the case. But I got you Mark Leishman at plus four, and also in the top forty. So I'm looking pretty good, other than Jordan Spieth. And we all know that the multiplier isn't the most important for number one. Obviously, it'll hurt if Dustin Johnson pulls away with this somehow and wins it. But it's looking good for Russ. I would say, in the midst of a very rough day on the course, it's looking good for my team. I have a good I have a good team. Yeah. Um I don't even think you know good. the rest of your players on your team. You t- you know how Tommy I do. Lee, Jason, Day, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, Tommy Fleetwood, Jimmy oh. Wa- Jimmy Walker and Hao Tong Lee. I think you have a little too much faith in Tommy Fleetwood. That's either you or Rube who likes him. And you hopping on the Fowler train. What is it? You you a little worried I'm going to be right that he wins a major here? Shortly? No, I'm I I like Ricky. I'm not as extreme as you are, but I also don't want to be the guy who misses out on Ricky Fowler winning. And for tier two, you know, I'll take it. Um, haven't really talked about Tiger at all, but he had a pretty rough day as well, shooting Triple 78. Triple bogey, the first hole. Yeah, that's that's Wits golf right there. That's Wits open golf. <laughs> um. Dude, I'm, I got. I have another stay woke two in the same episode. This is pretty wild. The first one was, so, was pretty not woke, so I hope this it was not woke. woke. So this one hopefully is a little bit better. So players become better learning from other athletes, right? So one of the greatest comebacks of all time is the Patriots against the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl. Just days before the U.S. Open kicked off, guess who Ricky Fowler took a fucking practice round with? Tiger. Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. And it was Tom Brady and his butler, not butler, that was the wrong way, caddy, and Ricky Fowler and his caddy, and they teed it up, did a practice round together. I'm telling you, Ricky, not down 15 points, or that's not the right math, 25 points, but he is down. I think he makes the comeback to win this major. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, I definitely want to watch a little bit of golf before it's all over because, you know, being a working man right now just – have didn't have not watched a single minute of golf because I just haven't had time. Been grinding away at the office, could only check the computer, which is just depressing because I just wanted to sit on the couch all day for four straight days and watch golf. But you know, when I get to that certain point in my life when that can happen, it'll be great. But until then, just gonna have to recap and read these articles about how the tournament went, and it's not not going so well for my team right now. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I think this should still be very interesting, and it's always fun being in a pool. Um, I think we should try to spread the word about this pool in the upcoming years. It just keeps getting a little bigger each time, and I love it. Uh, we had record we had record numbers for the Masters. Yeah, uh, I want to put it out there that I finished out of a hundred people. I finished in the top fifteen. Just just want to let you know, it's a good prize purse. I didn't make 
any real money, but I, I did better than you and Rube in consecutive majors. Okay, fair. Um, but shout out, shout out Chad, Chad Ransom for being a great golf guy. Um, all majors. Yeah, shout it. Grady, very professional email. Love it. Did have it? Did have a misspelling on diligence though. I'm gonna point, I'm gonna point that out. I noticed I'm glad that you're hanging on to that and just it, making it was, sure that we know. Great email. Um, great guy. And we'll be back next What's up, what's up, everybody? This is the Sporting Edge here with Wits and Roz on our final segment of the week. And I'm about to make Sporting Edge history, Xander. Are you excited for this? Sure. Awesome. You sound super, super elated. But we are talking a quick bit of soccer. The World Cup is here, the 2018 FIFA World Cup. The United States is not in it, so it'll be a year, total of eight years before we have the potential of seeing the United States back in any important soccer situation. Russia, who is the home country, led off with a absolute spanking of Saudi Arabia, winning 5-0. How about that little soccer turn for you there, nil? Um, it's going to be a lackluster World Cup. I, you thought I was going to go wonderful World Cup. I definitely like the word lackluster for it. We've got teams like Argentina, England, France, Spain, Germany, all hanging in there. They're the top teams as usual. I picked Germany to win it all, but I did want to do a quick talk in soccer that Russia, this creepy and sketchy Russia that has a lot of PED allegations against them on their Olympic teams and all their other IOC teams, they win five nothing against Saudi Arabia in a nice little spanking. How many uh, how many needles went into the tush before that game, Xander? <laughs> needles in the tush. That is a that's a throwback to my Barry Bonds days <laughs> as a ten year old. That that clip needs to be played on the Sporting Edge someday. Today will not be that day, but um, just a little a little quick flashback. I went to broadcasting camp with Jared Rubin and Matt Collado when I was ten years old, and arguably uttered the greatest line in the history of sports, of sports talk. broadcasting. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny, even looking back at it now, pretty funny. Um, talking about Barry Bonds and steroids and something with a needle and a tush. And with my 10-year-old voice, it was pre, pre-pub, pre-puberty. Um, Pre-pubescent is the word you Yeah, would sure. So it, it, was, it was pretty hilarious. Um, but, you know, very excited for the next two days at Shinecock Hills. Great name for a golf course, by the way. Um, a lot of great stuff going on and I hate, I hate to be this guy, but do we have, do we have to go to the power rankings? We have to, I I was about to be like, Xander, letting you off your leash this week. Feel free to hop on the major league baseball power rankings. That's what's going to happen here in the, in the waiting or waning months of the summer where we're going to come up on events like the, the U S open, which we'll finish covering next week, but it's time. We got nothing left. Hit me with some power rankings. I'm on the same page as you are probably right now. Yeah. So power rankings have been a little boring. I think the past month, cause, um, still top three teams, Yankees, actually Astros moved to number two, Red Sox. They've been the top three teams in the league. I think essentially the whole year, um, and baseball in the summer, it's kind of like this, like as a sports fan, you're on life support. I love baseball, but just I'm going to take all the sports in general. We're on life support. We get the occasional burst of life with the golf major, but you know, without the NFL, um, without any playoffs going on, it, it does get a little dull, and at least the weather's nice. Um, but we got our Cubbies moving up to fourth in the power rankings. 
They're playing After some great they took baseball. a series beating by the Brewers. Yeah, that was a was a little disappointing. Um, but they're coming back in the Mariners. I mean, I know, I know we talked about them last week. Um, you know, playing some great baseball after Robbie Cano went down. But in, ne- in the next two weeks, they're going to face off against the Angels, Red Sox, Yankees, and then the Red Sox again. That's a 13-game stretch um, where I, I think we're really going to find out who the Mariners are. I think they're a good team. I don't know how good, but they could get um, a little shot of reality here because those are some, that's, a, that's a tough stretch if you're any team in baseball. Um, and then looking, rounding out the top 10, we've got the Washington Nationals at six. We got the Indians at seven. Um, Corey Kluber hasn't walked a batter since May 8th. So, you know, take, take that as you wish. Um, I fear that the AL Central dogfight is rapidly coming to an end, but hoping, hoping that the Royals and the Twinkies can hang on. Miguel Sano getting demoted, not triple A, not to double A, but to high A ball. Um, I wanted to ask you about that because I got that notification today and was absolutely stunned. How is that a how is that a thing from a last year All Star, home run derby contestant to now a single A player? Well, I actually that was my my first thought too, but then I read more more into it and they were saying that um, single A team plays right near where they they had their spring training. So I think they're just trying to get him some work with a lot of the coaches that were around during spring training, see if they can get him right. I know he's been injured a lot lately. So that, that made a lot more sense because I was thinking that's that's quite a demotion. But I think they're just trying to get him back on the right track, see if they can't figure something out. Um, and then looking at 8, 9, and 10, we got the Brewers. Then we have the Angels, and we have the Dodgers. Max Muncy, what an unbelievable story leading – the Dodgers in home runs. Ross Stripling playing some great baseball, throwing the ball for the Dodgers right now. Um, you know, Justin Turner still struggling with that wrist. Rotation has a ton of injuries, but if Kershaw can make it back and just stay healthy, keyword just healthy for the rest of the year. Um, you know, this, this Dodgers team is again a scary team because I think going into this year, I mean, I think a lot of people thought they could definitely make it back to the World Series. Thought they were going to definitely be one of the best teams in the NL, but they've struggled. And you know, this division that they're in is a dogfight. Um, one guy we got to bring up, Paul I Goldschmidt. Hope you do. Paul Goldschmidt. Last five incredible. games, Paul Goldschmidt has 15 hits in 22 at bats, with six doubles, a triple, and four home runs. And after hovering around the Mendoza line, this man has bumped his average up to 254, um, which in that short of a stretch is pretty unbelievable. And not not going to say that I'm a, I'm a genius, but you know, I said Paul Goldschmidt was going to come back and be the player that he always was because that great players always find a way to hit, no matter how much they struggle. Paul Goldschmidt is back, and he he might end up at 300 by the end of the year. I honestly <laughs> think that. I'd put so much money on it that he doesn't get there, but it it was an absolutely impressive streak, especially since he was taking it out on my fantasy baseball team that has dropped three in a row since losing to the big wits. Um, so we're we're in rebuild mode, especially since my we're looking at number thirteen now. Carlos Martinez and St. Louis Cardinals are just abysmal. Carlos Martinez looked like he had a Cy Young year coming, and he has just been awful since that lat injury, throwing the ball 
three to four miles per hour slower than he was to start the season. It's been uh, my workhorses are starting to die out and suffer some injuries, and it's uh, it's really affecting the fantasy team moving forward. Yeah, um, agree with that. My fantasy team is again near the top. One guy I can't beat, Sammy Cohen. Um, just always. I'm has currently beating team. him right now. Just fun fact. Fun fact, yeah. But we'll we'll see at the end of the week because it's technically only Thursday as we speak right now. Um, rounding out the bottom of the league, though, Sox, Marlins, Reds, Royals, and Orioles. The Orioles are are just an atrocious team. They're on pace to go 48 and 114. Um, franchise record for losses in a season is 111. So, you know, this Orioles team, I mean, you thought some other teams in the league were bad, but they are just atrocious. They're hard to watch. I don't even think Chris Davis is a trade piece anymore because he just can't can't even hit close to 200. Um, we'll see what happens with Manny Machado. But I was hearing some interesting interesting theories on MLB Network Radio the other day that, you know, teams, I don't think teams are going to be as willing um, in the MLB landscape right now to trade for a rental and just give up the whole farm like we saw the Cubs do a couple of years ago. Was it worth it for the Cubs? I think absolutely because they won a World Series. You'll never be able to take that away from them. But I just don't – I think teams in the MLB have kind of changed changed their minds a little bit about you know how valuable they think a half-year rental will be. Roz, got about 10 seconds left. Why don't you just sum up the week for us real quick? In sports, well, it's been uh, it's been a fun <laughs> ride. We're at, we're exiting championship season, and we are entering the abyss of sports, and that is the summer months. And that was a hot take number three from Roz on the Sporting Edge. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Um, two more great days of the U.S. Open, and then we got just baseball the rest of the summer. Power rankings for all four segments. That's my vote. This is the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm, amfm247.com. We'll be back next week talking about the U.S. Open champion and some more baseball. Have a great week, everybody. Mets are 20. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. libertytalk.fm.